trapped on an island with nothing to do. What games would you take there with you? With no one else around, you could go insane without your desert island games. Everyone is tuning in to Jail 76. Welcome to Desert Island Games with me, John, aka GL76 Gaming. With me today is Danny Hayes, designer, coder, and writer of a great new indie game called Poncho, available on Steam and PS4. It will also be available on PS Vita and Wii U. Welcome, Danny, to Desert Island Games. Hello. And how are you this fine Saturday? Uh, I'm, I'm okay. Just uh, jittery and feeling a bit weird after release. Yeah, I was going to ask. It's been out for four days. I was, I was going to. It must be. It must be a massive relief, though, to have it released. Yeah, it's a relief. Um, at the same time, it's kind of. I don't know. It's. Um, we're still waiting for a lot of the reviews to come out and stuff. So I don't know. It's a bit. It's still a bit nerve shattering in a way. Yeah. Have you had many reviews coming through so far? Yeah, they've been good for the most part. Um, like we've been getting mainly eight out of ten, so yeah. that's good. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a nervous time releasing a game. I'm sure. Is this your first game? Have you released any before? Yeah, this is my first as an indie developer. So uh, hopefully it does well. Um, tell, tell me a little bit of a history of yourself. You since your first as an indie developer, but have you worked for? Uh, a developing company before? Uh, yeah, I used to work um, for the mobile branch of Capcom. Okay, cool. Um, and I worked on some kind of... Well, it was based on, like... They're kind of like Farmville games. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, like, in the UK, um, especially, like, down the south, like, main, main kind of job you'll get in games is working on mobile games that are freemium games. <coughs> Sorry, just coming out of a cold. No problem. Um, yeah, those, yeah. those games are very popular, though. <coughs> yeah, they are very popular. Um, you know, and they make uh, ridiculous amounts of money compared to any other genre of game, really. Um, I mean, even it's like um, I don't know. You just think. I think Candy Crush. There was some statistic a while ago that said like it made like a million dollars a day. Yeah, and it has been for like a year. It was just bought for something crazy like six billion dollars. There's a day, wasn't it? Yeah, by Blizzard Activision. Activision, yeah, crazy amount of money, big risk for a. That, mm. could, that could make them or break them. I'm sure. Well, I'm pretty sure it's just like their, you know, those big, those few big iPhone games. I think that's all that King.com have got going for them right now. I think they've got gambling stuff. I got like they own a few gambling things as well. Yeah. Okay, so I mean, it must be a busy time for you just now with the release coming out. Um, it's out now. Steam and PS4, isn't it? I get. I gather you're working on the ports for the PSV and the Wii U. Yeah, we're just uh, working on those, hoping to get those out as soon as possible. Now, hopefully, not too long. <laughs> Is it a hard process converting them over to those platforms? Yeah, I mean, those are the the reason. Um, we did Steam and PS4 first is because they're a lot easier 
like they have you know PS4 is very powerful so you don't even have to worry about optimizing things for that particular platform um, and it you know uses the same controls as the desktop version you know you're just holding you just plug in a controller and play yeah. so those two weren't I mean, yeah Steam's obviously very easy because it's PC in the first place but uh, yeah the Vita is like is the lowest uh, platform spec wise yeah um so we've been trying to work on making it feel smooth on there. That's pretty much the only thing that's left to do yeah. on that. Um, it's running at um, just over 30 frames per second, but I want to get it even more. We'll see if we can get there. Um, and we also got the Wii version, which is by far the hardest because it's so unique, I guess. Yeah. Like Because you've got to play on two different screens um, and you... Well, the way Poncho works is you can choose to play on either the small screen or the big TV. Mm. But um, just everything in terms of how the controls are mapped and things like that, it's all totally different. So that one's definitely been one that's taken the longest. <laughs> I guess um, with PSVR, you may incorporate the touch controls as well. Was that difficult to incorporate? Uh, no, nah, we didn't use touch controls. Oh, it's right. just a platformer, so it isn't, it isn't really... Unless we added like uh, features specific to the Vita, like it, yeah. Cool. So, for the, for those of uh, listeners of maybe not heard of the game, um, can you tell us a bit of, about the game, the kind of inspiration behind it and stuff? Yeah, sure. So, uh, it's called Poncho, and it's about a robot who wears a poncho who wakes up in a post-apocalyptic world several centuries after humanity has gone extinct after some kind of calamity. And now robots roam the earth and like they've been left behind and they're trying to find a new purpose in life. And uh, nature's kind of taken back the earth, so everything's overgrown and lush. Like We didn't want to do like a grey and brown, rusty kind of post-apocalyptic world where everything's dead. We wanted it to be feel uh, really alive. Okay. So... Uh, that's the kind of world setting, and he wakes up in, amongst all this, the protagonist, and he starts his journey to try and find his creator, because maybe if he does, he can bring humanity back. Yeah. Um, the thing that makes Poncho different from other puzzle platformers, it has this uh, shifting mechanic where uh, it's kind of 2D and 3D, and you can actually move into the foregrounds and backgrounds of the world, and uh, it makes for some... Uh, quite expanded gameplay I guess yeah it's very unique I've been playing it these last few days and um, taking a little while for me to get used to um, flipping between the two the two um, well the two the three layers that you get it's um, it's very unique something I've never seen before in a game and you know when I first started the game I thought oh it's just like a simple platformer you're just moving left to right right, and then you press next button and then you realise alright there's a lot more to it than that it's quite complex actually yeah, um, we kind of, I don't know, we've, we've tried to make that mechanic as good as we can. Like, I f- it feels quite smooth, but then it gets much more complicated. Um, so first, it's just like you've got uh, sort of static level design. You know, there's a rock in front of you. You can shift behind it and then walk in the background and shift forward again to get to the exit, stuff like that. But then as it uh, develops, you've got levels that move in between 2D and 3D as you're playing, so the world expands and contracts. Um, We've got levels with six layers, levels that are stuck on 2D, so you can't see the 3D aspects. Um, 
parts of the level that move into the foreground and background whenever you do layers that move horizontally around like things like that um it gets pretty complicated as it goes on but like um yeah it's not it's quite um it can be difficult but mainly it's more of a head scratcher than kind of anything else at times yeah i think it's one of those ones where you make it stop but if you go back to it next day you you go, all right, all right, that's what I was supposed to do. That, that's that's what I found anyway. I was playing it on, I think it was a Wednesday night, and then I played it again last night, and then I got f- further again, so... Yeah. That respect. I understand it was uh, two years in the making. Uh, three and a half. Three and a half <laughs> years, jeez. So, um, <coughs> any games in particular that inspired you to make this? Yeah, I mean... Um... Braid was always a big inspiration sort of in my design choices and things like that. Um, I guess the, the main thing you could probably see from Braid in the game is just the key door system. That's a little bit from Braid. But like, um, yeah. I guess uh, it's mainly inspired by just old school Sega games. Like, not just in the art style, but like, that's how we actually came up with the main mechanic. Um, it kind of came... I was talking with the co-designer, Jack O'Dell, who also does the music... And he um, sort of thought, well, I remember playing those old school Sega games and like you'd be walking along, they're pretty much all side scrollers and you know, you'd see these hills and mountains in the background, like places that could be cool to explore, but you can never actually go there. Yeah. So w- wouldn't it be cool if you could just press a button and sh- kind of you're straight there and then you're in that area? So that's kind of how Poncho came about. Yeah, that's an excellent idea, actually. Almost... I always found that like um, I was thinking that obviously a completely different thing but with Grand Theft Auto it's one of those games where you can if you see a mountain in the background you can actually go to it and <laughs> climb up it so, oh yeah yeah <laughs> so I was thinking I was this last night this might be a stupid question because it might be explained further, further on in the game that I've not got to but what's the thinking behind the poncho why is he wearing the poncho uh, well the reason he wears a poncho is, um, it's, just trying to say it without saying anything. Uh, <laughs> it's a memento from his father, the creator. Right. So, um, but, uh, the main, honestly, the main reason he wears a poncho is because we think it looks cool. Like the very first thing before we came up with the design or anything like that, like me and Jack O'Dell, like we were thinking we need to do another game. Uh, so what are we going to do? And we were trying to come up with ideas and, the very first thing that happened was he drew this pixel art character of a robot wearing a poncho. Mm. And I got really excited. I was like, oh, man, that guy looks so cool. I don't know what game we're going to make, but it's going to be about this guy. <laughs> so ever since, you know, he's just worn a poncho, and the game's been called Poncho just because it felt kind of right, I guess. Yeah. Is the robot's name actually Poncho, or is it just the fact he's wearing a poncho that's called Poncho? Yeah, it's just the fact he's... You never find out his um, name. Just kind of... Uh, He's, he's been dehumanised a bit, I guess. But, like, um, there's... I don't know, that's kind of, like, the theme of the game, in a way. Like, uh, the robots are kind of, like, reflections of humans or aspects of humans, I guess. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, his is just meant to be... Yeah, he's meant to be projected on, but also he's kind of been made a blank slate for other reasons. I don't know. I, I'm trying not to say things that happen at the end of the game. <laughs> yeah, try to also not give away spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've not got to the end of the game myself yet. But, uh, working on it, working on it. 
Okay. Um, also, I was going to mention the intro. I really enjoyed the intro. The, the music in it is quite surreal, surreal, I find, as well. Uh, do, do you mean the bit of, like, uh, the fire? Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> The music's quite. Can I, I, I'm trying to find the right word for it. It's, I don't even know if surreal's the right word, but it's quite. quite I think uh, surreal's good. I mean, it's yeah. actually that. Um, the idea behind that is that that's Poncho's dream of the apocalypse just before he wakes up yeah. in the lab area, mm-hmm. um, which is where the tutorial is. So that's that's kind of idea behind that. Like a lot of the cut scenes in the game are based on uh, dreams, quote unquote, because he's a robot. He might have. Um, or memories, depending on how you interpret it, I guess. I try to leave everything open to interpretation. Yeah. Everyone has their own idea of what something is. So, going on in the future, is, is there any... With this game, are you, are you going to take it any further? Like, like maybe some extra content, or you know, like, like or make it online, even? Things like that? It's, it's possible. Um, the only thing with things like extra content and stuff, like maybe we could add like, uh, you know, some bonus levels or something that are like challenge areas or like a speed run mode, things like that. Um, the only issue is like, you know, it could be very easy to do it on steam. Like we can just make the content and upload it whenever we feel like it. And it's right there for everyone to play. But, you know, um, for like the consoles, we'd have to go through this month long process, at least depending on which platform, um, it's just getting it out on every platform at the same time because if it's out on one platform, then the other platforms wouldn't like that. It's kind of a complicated process. But yeah, if people, um, if the game's popular enough and um, people were enjoying it, we might be able to sort something like that out. Cool. So, anything else in the future? Is it uh, game wise, or is it do you just concentrating your focus on uh, Portugal at the moment? Uh, yeah, just working on the ports at the moment, the Wii U and Vita version, but they're going to be done fairly soon. Um, uh, the next game we're going to make, we're, we're going to do something small and experimental, mm-hmm. just some kind of, um, I don't know, I don't want to say art game, quote-unquote, um, but just something weird and fun, or just um, controversial, maybe, before we move on to something big, something that'll take us a few months, um, and then we'll move on to the next big thing, which we're thinking might be a roguelike at this point. But uh, we'll wait and see. Excellent. Well, I must say, I've been enjoying the game so far, what I've played of it. Uh, currently writing a, a review on it, which is hopefully about today. And uh, I do, I would recommend people go out and actually uh, pick the game up or not pick it up, because it's digital, isn't it? But you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> go and get the game and uh, give it a shot, because it's very unique. And um, after a while, it's very addictive, I found. Oh, thanks. <laughs> no problem. Um, so, the other aspect of this is um, also Desert Island Games. We're just going to go over this briefly because usually we go into this quite in depth, but um, it, I think you've got maybe eight games in, in mind. Final Fantasy Seven would be the first one. Are you Final Fantasy Seven out of all the Final Fantasies? Uh, that is a good question. Um, I get it's probably just because it's the first one I played Um, I got that when I was like 7 or 8 or something like that Um, and you know it was it was all the games I played before that was like Sega Mega Drive it was like Sonic Golden Axe all those kind of get a high score or complete the level whatever Um, and then suddenly you go into this massive 80 hour adventure with 
themes of death and life and all this other kind of adult themes and it's like oh wow this is like games can actually be quite emotional <laughs> or like uh, just cool I guess um, and yeah and because like you know because I was so young it took me like two years to finish the game because I was still kind of learning how to play video games yeah um, so I spent a long time with it so it's kind of uh, means a lot to me I guess it's probably it's, it's probably the first game I was like a true fanboy over cool Cool. Anyway, um, brilliant choice for your first game there. And what would be your second choice? Uh, second choice would be Braid. Braid? <laughs> uh, yeah, because um, that, that was the first indie game that uh, made me think, uh, yeah, these indie, these independent games made by small teams are actually worth a great deal. Um, and, you know, I remember playing Braid and... You know, you know how Braid is. You play it for a while and you get frustrated at some puzzle and you're staring at it because yeah. you know it's going to be simple. And uh, I was really impressed because I, I broke at like, it was like over the second to last or last world. I usually don't like using cheats or hints or anything like that, but I went online and thought, right, I'm just going to get past this one using an online hint. And I type in Braid Cheats and what you actually get is a web page made by Jonathan Blow himself is like the first result. And you click on it, and it's like, sure, you can go get the, you can go look at the cheats, but first, I just want to tell you, like, if you do that, there's no point in you playing the game. Like, it's all about the journey. If you're just going to go straight to the end, you might as well just go straight to YouTube and watch the ending. So I saw that, and I was like, okay, okay, Jonathan Blow, I'm hearing you, I'll go play it. Yeah, it was, it made me feel, it definitely gives you this feeling of, like, enlightenment every time you figure something out. I quite like that about it. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I've, I, I don't think I've got to the end of like a point-click adventure, for example, without cheating. Because some of the, some of the puzzles in Monkey Island, for example, are um, quite complex. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't think you're using that item for another item. So, yeah, I think it's good. I think it's pretty cool that you set that up and made you um, made you think twice about using the cheats. Yeah. Cool. So, um, what would game number three be? Game number three. Uh, I'm gonna go. I think I'm gonna go with uh, Bioshock. Bioshock. Um, yeah, I quite. I mean, it's got its flaws, mm-hmm. but like, um, it's be- it's my favourite shooter. I think um, I liked it compared to other shooters. I mean, it's got. I just I I really like the story, and if maybe if it had been done, yeah, it'd been done differently. But um, I think the story is what I mostly liked about it. Um, I think, but the main flaw with that game that I wish they had changed was like uh, you know you get you get to kind of choose to be good or evil. Yeah, you can go for you can either kill the little sisters for loads of uh, what is basically exp, or you can um, save them and get a little bit of exp. Yeah. And that seems like a good thing. Like that's how it's meant to be. You if you take the easy road, that easy road that's kind of like the evil road. Like you know mm-hmm. you kill people, you get more exp, but you feel bad. Um, but they, you get exactly the same because if you're good, you get like these packages sent to you from the little sisters, which makes you just as powerful as the evil guy. Yeah. If you'd gone down that road. So it's like, there's no point being, you don't really have a, that feeling of greed that makes you want to go down that road in the first place. But, um, yeah, I mean, I really liked it. It's got, it really, um, I guess brought new life to the shooter genre. I think 
and made me actually want to play shooters again. Cool. Yeah, I always tell myself in games like that, like, um, I, I'm going to go down the evil route, but I can never bring myself to do it. I always go down the good route. Yeah. <laughs> Red Dead Redemption is a good example of that. You can kind of, you can choose a good path or a, or a bad path in that, and I always go down the good path for some reason. Yeah, because a lot and there should. I think games definitely should have um, the good path. I mean, they just try to balance it so everyone has a good time, and you know they're smoothing off all the rough edges on their games to make sure they can reach as large an audience as possible. Um, but like, yeah, it would be nice if choosing the good path was like the harder thing to do, which it usually is in real life anyway. True, true. Cool choice. Um, and number four. Uh, Silent Hill. So, uh, not sure which. I guess I'll go with three. I think three was my favourite. Um, just yeah, I really liked Silent Hill. Um, that was my first big horror game that I played on the PS One, yeah. PS Two. Sorry. Um, and I just loved the kind of, uh. I guess character design, but mainly for the monsters because it was all Freudian and based on like phobias and fears of the main character. Yeah, it's like I mean they shouldn't have really done it, but um, Silent Hill Two is where the nurses first appear. Because mm-hmm. um, Silent Hill Two, it's ba- like they're all the um, all the Silent Hill monsters are basically fears of like the character's guilt usually, um, and Silent Hill Two. Spoiler alert. Um, he's guilty because he he had this bedridden girlfriend who was ill for like years or sorry his wife um, she was like bedridden and uh, one night he smothers her and he feels guilty about it and that's the first game where the creepy nurses appear and it's like the idea behind those is like that they represent his sexual frustration because she was in a hospital he was like with her in the hospital all the time Um, but he wasn't able to explore his sexuality in any way um, because, uh, yeah, for obvious reasons. And, you know, there's other things like that, like, uh, I think there's Silent Hill 4, <laughs> that's, uh, about two brothers, and one brother accidentally killed the other brother, and there's, like, monsters that, like, a, lo- a lot of monsters that, like, joined at the hip, or, like, there's, they're carrying, there's monsters carrying each other. Like, it's about, kind of, I guess, a brotherly connection all the monsters some seem to have. Like, there's things like that that are just, um, subtle, kind of, aesthetic choices that represent the story that I quite liked. It's, it's quite deep. It's quite a deep storyline for a video game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially quite an early one, an early video game as well. Yeah. Yeah. Cool choice. Survival, survival horrors are a, a good genre, I think. Yeah, I like them. Yeah. Um, I'm hope, I don't know. Well, I, I haven't played a Silent Hill game. I haven't played the last three Silent Hill games. Um, cause I'm waiting for somewhat for a good one to come out. Um, but yeah, hopefully that happens. Cool. Fingers crossed. So I think that's uh, that was number four. So we can move on to number five now. Five. Um, let's try and think now. Yeah, I'll put you on the spot a bit. Oh god, uh, I can't believe I'm saying this. League of Legends. <laughs> um, yeah. I hate it, <laughs> but at the same time, it is very easy to play when you're a game developer, you don't really have much spare time to devote to a big game. So I would often find myself just going, I'll just play this match for half an hour and that's my gaming for the day. It's very easy to do that. Um, 
but it is addictive and I don't know it's got all these uh, this depth of strategy I guess but uh, yeah I think the less said about it the better because it is also an evil game in many ways <laughs> yeah fair enough moving on to number six <laughs> number six uh, you know I'm going to go with Final Fantasy 9 Ooh, another Final Fantasy game. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big Final Fantasy fanboy. Uh, well, nine's kind of where the fanboying stops. <laughs> right. All the ones preceding nine are good. Um, yeah, I just I loved nine. Like um, that was the sec. That was actually the second PS1 game I bought after Final Fantasy seven. For some reason, I skipped eight. I think it's because it took me two years to finish seven. Um, yeah, I just I love that game. Another kind of emotional story game with amazing graphics for the time um, that had a big impact on me, I guess. What format was that for again? Number nine. Uh, PS One. PS One. So that was in PS One as well. Yeah. It's unbelievable. What what are we up to now? Is it fourteen or fifteen or something? We're up to now. Uh, yeah, fifteen's. Uh, I think it's due to come out in twenty sixteen or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, I must. I've, I'm going to confess, I've never really get into Final Fantasy series. Just I'm, I'm not really a massive role playing game, but I obviously understand the importance uh, as a as a, as yeah. a game in the genre. It's a really fantastic series. Yeah, um, I'm more of a I'm more of a point and click adventure kind of guy. Yeah, <laughs> racing games and stuff like that. Cool. <clears throat> and I've done my usual thing of losing track of. Number we're on, I think that was I think, six. <laughs> that was six, yeah, I think that was six. Yeah, yeah. yeah so uh, the penultimate one, number seven. Seven. Uh, I'm going to go with Stanley Parable. Ah, I don't not familiar with this game. Oh, really? Oh. You you totally have to play it. <laughs> it was it's an indie game that came out. I want to say like two years ago, mm-hmm. um, and it's kind of. Uh, it's a bit of a mindfuck game. Like you've got this narrator um, who narrates what you do. And it's this idea. So you're walking around this office that's kind of like, it's like a giant maze and there's lots of secrets and stuff. I mean, that sounds really weird, but like um, it was really popular. It won some IGF awards and stuff like that. Um, But yeah, the idea is you get this narrator who's narrating what you do, or is he telling you what to do? So he'll say like stuff like, because um, you're called Stanley, he'll go, Stanley went through the left door. And then you go on the door on the right, and it's like, Stanley chose not to go through the left door. It really, um, it's it's kind of, it feels really fresh and innovative, just the way the narrator describes what you're doing, every little thing. It's just like, you know, you just put the control, get controller down, and you're staring at something. He's like, Stanley chose to stare at this clock for four hours. <laughs> um, uh, just things like that it just takes you by surprise um, and there's lots of hidden cool things in it um, it's a narrative based game all you do is walk around but it's really entertaining and uh, a lovely bit of game design that sounds pretty cool that just sounds pretty quite up my street I'll need to look it up yeah yeah it's yeah. good good one and uh, on to the last game number 8 oh last slot this is going to be a difficult one <laughs> Um, let me think here. Ah, Binding of Isaac. I'm gonna go with Binding of Isaac for my eighth game. Uh, cool. I love I love all of Edmund work, and I probably should have put Super Meat Boy somewhere in that list. But um, yeah, uh, I love Binding of Isaac. 
Um, I've sunk a lot of hours into it. Um, I love all the character designs and everything like that, and it's probably the best roguelike I've ever played. And that game actually made me buy pretty much only roguelikes for like a year. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like a game you could uh, sink your teeth into on an island anyway. Like, uh, to, yeah, pass the time until yeah. you die, I guess. <laughs> or get rescued. Or get rescued, yeah. Let's yeah. not be pessimistic. Yeah, it's like positive here. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, these island, this island just happens to have the running electricity to run all these games. Yeah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Brilliant. So, eight great choices there, and um, the other thing you get to do is run a book and uh, a luxury item. don't know if you've given that any thought at all. Yeah, book. Uh... Oh, that's annoying, because I would choose a series, but I'm just looking. I'm looking at my bookshelf. It's right in front of me. <laughs> Which of them is my favourite one? Um, oh, it's probably it's probably going to be the Dark Tower by Stephen King, um, which is like a dark fantasy epic kind of thing. Um, that's actually seven books, but any one of those will do. <laughs> well, you can get you can get a compendium. Yeah, I'll get the compendium. That's one massive book that counts. Yeah. <laughs> Stephen King. You can't beat a bit of Stephen King. Yeah, it's a good read. Has that been made into a film? I can't remember. Sorry? Has that been made into a movie, that one? Uh, apparently there's something in production. Yeah. It's like, apparently it's going to be, like, t- I think they're planning to do two movies and a TV series. Because it's a massive thing. It's, like, it's his biggest work, I guess. I think Stephen King must be one of the most um, successful at getting his books turned into movies and TV series. Yeah, I guess he's quite lucky. It's just become this thing like his books are obviously popular, mm-hmm. but then I think it was just like um, the first few films that came about from his books, like um, Carrie and stuff like that. Because yeah. those films are successful, like it's become this thing like if you. Um, if he writes another book, like all the film series will like start fighting over the film rights for it because yeah. they know people will go watch it. Stephen Stephen King's name just carries a lot of weight to it, I guess. Yeah. Excellent. And <coughs> um, finally, a uh, luxury item to make your life on the island a little bit more feasible. Oh, luxury item. What about a, can I take a boat? <laughs> <laughs> no. Ah, <laughs> oh, all right. Um. What about a house? Technically, that counts as a luxury item. There's nothing in the house. Yeah, I don't know how we'll get the bricks and water, but I'm sure the house is... Yeah, yeah we can... we'll, we'll fly it in. We'll, yeah, we'll... <laughs> <laughs> a, a giant <laughs> helicopter that the town got together. <laughs> I'll get a team of builders to build it for you before you get shipwrecked. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you need, well, you need somebody to keep all your games and just... Yeah, I've got to keep, you know, it might rain and all my games get ruined. Yeah. Wouldn't be able to read my book. You know, I've got to keep keep it dry somehow in, in my house. <laughs> cool. Well, it's been great. Thank you very much. Um, oh, thanks. <laughs> um, any closing thoughts? Anything you want to uh, add to the point show? Yeah, I guess just a uh, shameless plug for the game. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's out now on Steam and PS4. Check it out. It's like it's fifteen dollars slash um, 
11 quid uh, or pounds for those who don't know what quid is. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it's coming to Wii U and Vita soon. Go check it out. <laughs> Excellent. And I'll put all the links below to where you can find the game and stuff and hopefully to a review of mine's up shortly. And uh, thanks again, Danny, and uh, speak to you soon. All right, no problem. Bye-bye. Bye.